Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the best of the Outdoor Line in Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Today, you're going to hear some of our favorite stories and interviews from the Outdoor Line archives. So thanks for tuning in, sit back, and enjoy a very special best of the Outdoor Line in Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports app. Matt Nelson running the board back there, Joey Pyburn to my left. I'm Tom Nelson, and on the phone, I, I tell you what, log on to theoutdoorline.com because you've got to check out the blog that's coming from our next guest. Did just a great discussion, a great breakdown of what's a whole lot of information. Mark Uwasa, communications with WDFW, joining us this morning. Good morning, Mark Uwasa. Morning, buddy. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, man. So, I mean, great blog. I It's kind of how I get my information. When you write these <laughs> blogs, I, I run through, and it's very easy to read for guys. You know, you kind of break it down and, and, and put it in, uh, you know, the form that I can digest. You know, I, I have all these forecast papers in front of me, and it's a lot of numbers and, and uh, percentages. But, you know, tell, tell us what, you know, what we, we have to look forward this summer. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, first to start off, I mean, the, the buzz we've been hearing is that this year is going to kind of resemble last year, and, and then you've got some added bonuses. So, I mean, guys can start looking at their calendars right now and kind of at least get an idea of, you know, if you go back and look at 2022 and say, hey, you know, July 1, this this place opened, June 15th, this other place opened. I mean, I'd start marking your calendars right now to get excited about things. And I think the highlight this year, obviously, you know, they don't <laughs> – they're, they're the Rodney Dangerfield of fish, of salmon, right? They don't get the respect, but, you know, <laughs> pinks, man. <laughs> You've got almost 4 million of these guys coming back this year. And, you know, okay, you know, you push your nose up, but, you know, get past that, you know, get some guys out and some kids out who are beginners. I mean, 4 million fish coming back to Puget Sound, that's going to give some, some, some nice, you know, added bonuses for folks to – get a chance to get out there. And, and then, you know, you add in that part of that breakdown of that run, you've got, what, 820-something thousand and change of, of pinks coming back to the Green River. You know, we're going to get some, we're going to see some nice fishing in river this year, too, on, on select rivers. So, you know, folks should be getting excited about that, start making plans, get, get the little tykes out to go, you know, try and catch one of these. You know, and the nice thing about these fish you, you see the jumpers, you start marking them on your boat, you know, they'll bite all day long. And that's kind of the exciting part. You go out in the morning, you go for your kings, you know, you go for your coho, you know, when things slow down, you start searching for these kings. I mean, what what's not to like about that, right? So what if they aren't big? And you put them on ice, you, you stick them in your ice chest, you know, they cut just as nice as any other fish, to, to be honest with you. Dude, we're past the point of looking down our nose at any wild salmon in Puget Sound. Okay, <laughs> let's just throw that. But now, but but now, let's work up the food chain one step though. Sure. <laughs> How about an additional hundred thousand coho 
to what was a very solid silver season last year. Right. And, and Tom, you and I talked about this. This was back when we went through that whole, you know, 2015 mm-hmm. drought and all this. And I remember it was on an advisor call. You you said, hey, you know, stay tuned. We're going we're gonna to see things out in the ocean that are going to start to change. Things are going to get better. Here we are, you know, five, seven years from that time. And and we're we're reaping the benefits now. You know, we're finally seeing these cold water environments that we need out in the ocean. You know, we're getting past all those droughts. And, man, that's going to be some, you know, something to look at this year. You know, come late August, all through the early part of fall. And, you know, to see, you know, we're, we're, we're at like 760,000 for Puget Sound alone. You know, over a million out, you know, coming in towards the Columbia at the mouth. God, I mean, if there's anything to get excited about, and we'll start seeing some of these these season options next week when we have uh, the first uh, Pacific Fishery Management Council meeting, and and we'll get the three ocean salmon options. I mean, I'm, you know, this is the time of the year you just got to start getting geeked out and start looking at your calendar and and start making plans now. So yeah, so you you alluded to. The meetings are going to happen this week, and, and, and they're very important. The, the PFMC, or Pacific Fisheries Management Council, will compile the forecasts and come up with the three ocean options. And that's really the bedrock by which the rest of our seasons will, will actually form. Um, it's interesting this year, Mark, because we're seeing some rebounding coho stocks on the coast that, that we're constricting to our fisheries, to our coastal fisheries this year. You know, if we want to start talking about our marine coastal areas, one through four, Iwako, uh, Westport, La Push, and Nia Bay, um, this could be a very, very special year on the ocean. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, we ran full seasons last year. We did it the year before. And so, you know, if, if they're... If they're already, you know, the buzz is already talking about, hey, we're gonna we're gonna see something similar to last year, if not better. You know, I, I, I man, it's it's gonna be excitement on the coast for sure. So a little bit closer to home, if if you look at the overall Chinook picture, which which you knew we were going to, this is this is no surprise <laughs> to you. We took we're, our time. We, we took there, our, I did, man. We, I let you talk about pinks. I let you talk about coal. <laughs> we talked about the coast, but so we're looking at it. You know, overall a, a one point oh six. Uh, we're looking at six percent more Chinook in Puget Sound than than we did last year. Um, there's a couple good points. There's a couple tough points, um, but at least we're seeing an increase in in Stillaguamish stocks, which yep. definitely will help us craft our seasons moving forward. Yeah, you're get, you're getting above that three digit to four digit numbers, and so that's that's a good sign for the stilly. You know, it looks like things are getting better. I mean, obviously, we still have to deal with ESA on on you know a good number of stocks in Puget Sound, but. But like you had said, I mean, we've got a good hatchery number of fish coming back, and, and that's what anglers look for. You know, that's the fish we got to catch. You want to keep something. But, you know, hopefully, you know, <clears throat> we start seeing this turnaround on even the wild fish. So, you know, it, it seems like these numbers are, are looking good. And, um, man, I, <laughs> here we go again. I mean, you know, just start looking at places, you know, start looking at the Tulela bubble. That'll be the first place you want to go to, you know, Area 11. God, you know, if we get that June 1 opener this year again, 
you know, that I'll be excited. So, you know, fingers crossed, we, we kind of see the numbers and, and things that come back. And, and with that little blip up, like you had said, you know, we'll, we'll add some more fish to the to the table. So yesterday at the forecast meeting, uh, WDFW went through a whole lot of information, went through NOAA's stoplight chart, which talked about oceanic productivity. And then for the first time that, that I ever remember, the issue of pinniped predation was broached by the department. And typically this has been an issue where, you know, we, we, everybody knows the elephant in the room is the fact that we have pinnipeds at carrying capacity that are grinding us apart with regard to our efforts to, ha- to, to allow some of these Chinook stocks to rebound. And now the Washington Academy of Sciences s- stated very strongly, yes, these, these, these pinniped populations are reducing our impacts when we're trying to rebound these runs there they are a constraint to rebuilding a lot of our salmon runs so i thought it was a healthy sign by the department that they actually started to address what was what were some of your takeaways from the department's presentation yesterday in Lacey? oh yeah i think that was a very good presentation um you know very knowledgeable people who are addressing these issues and and hopefully we can start looking at these you know putting the putting it under the microscope and and getting, you know, to deal with these kind of things, you know, up front and letting people know what the issue at hand is. So, you know, fingers crossed, you know, that things like this, you know, are, are, are more in the spotlight and and that we look at it and get it addressed correctly. Yeah, the conversation just has to start and has to happen. We know that this is something that's not going to happen quickly. They're going to analyze every little bit of data before no, sure. we actually do anything. But we... Look, man, this, all of us anglers that are out there in the water, we see the issue. We see the problem. But this is also something that we're in complete agreement with the travel co-managers on, mm-hmm. and we can work together and get a win with, with the co-managers. And I, and I, and I, really, I really believe that it'd be a, this will be a stepping stone to that relationship kind of being fostered and enhanced a little bit. And, and uh, Because, I mean, we, we have to work together with, with – with, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the tribal – governments are the only political entity that have the horsepower to hold the feds feet to the fire with regard to holding the line on habitat enhancement, hatchery production, and a lot of other things that we need to have fisheries. And uh, to look at it any other way is just really short-sighted, Mark. Definitely. All right, buddy. Well, you, I don't, somehow you made it through the year without jumping on the, jumping on the boat. (laughs) So that that's not going to happen two years in a row. We need to we need we need to get you back on the sea beast, buddy. <laughs> thanks for the invite. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Mark. We'll talk to you Later. soon. Thanks for your time this morning. Later, and buddy. thanks for your blog. Go check out his blog on theoutdoorline.com. Did a great job. Thanks, Mark. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. So, so Joey, I, I guess, you know, we kind of started fishing together probably like in 2018. Yep. It, was, it was 2018. It was you the last, your, uh, the 28 Weldcraft. And then, um, I'll never forget the look on your face when the Sea Beast showed up on the floor <laughs> of the Seattle Boat Show. That's when and I was like, I think I love this guy. <laughs> I think I, like I, think I just fell in love with Nelly. So, um... But since we've been fishing together, we have had, we've rendered assistance to other boats. Yes. We have, you know, had a mechanical issue, right? And then we we had kind of a lighter medical issue a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. right? But 
we had a friend on board that had the big one. Yeah. Okay. And and we're talking, you know, about cardiac arrest. Yes. A very, very serious situation. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, I, I retired a few years ago, Seattle Fire, and, and so it was our job, right, to take care of this. Medic One Stock and Trade is obviously chest pain and taking care of things. And so I'm, you know, I'm getting him in a position in order to do, you know, CPR on him and you knew your job. You're behind the wheel of the boat, and we are headed for the headed for the ramp. Right there was no there was no point in calling for assistance at that point just yet because we we needed to get we needed we needed to get back to port. We need to get back to port, and then and then at that point, you know, we had we had to assess the situation. Okay, so since I've had a lot of experience doing that, and you're a completely experienced boat operator, we knew what to do without exactly you know having this conversation. Hey, listen, if somebody goes down on the boat. This is what we should be thinking about, right? We didn't even have to have that conversation. But it, but it's something I also I never really think about when I'm on other people's boats. Right. But you do now. I, oh, I've been thinking about it every minute of every day since this happened. So, gang, when you are operating your boat and you have guests on board, their safety is your responsibility, okay? First steps of ensuring their safety is making sure your boat is well-maintained and a, and what they what what is referred to as a well-found vessel it mm-hmm. is it is seaworthy it is in good repair it has fully charged batteries it has fuel full fuel tanks everything it's an awesome responsibility and one that i take very 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 seriously and that was one of the points behind the three rivers marine event last week where we had guys and you know have their boat in and i talked to more than one guy about fire extinguishers and about first aid kits and all this kind of stuff. But what's your plan, guys? What is your plan? Just having the gear, having safety gear is really not enough. Cause you gotta know what's in that first aid kit. You gotta know how old that fire extinguisher is. It, you know, is it is it suitable for for uh, flammable liquid fires? Is it A B C D authorized, right? Mm-hmm. Especially now in the, in this age of lithium batteries. You need a special fire extinguisher to take care of those too, because some of the ABCs won't have that, okay? So what is your plan? You need to talk about this. You need to consider it. And I'm not saying that, you know, before that you need you need somebody's medical chart before they get on board, but you can kind of look at people and and see, you know, have in your mind's eye, right? What they well, of course, yeah. If and and we all fish with a bunch of different people. Uh, if you have a a fella on board like um, Gary Krein, Gary Krein is in his seventies. Yep, he is fit as a fiddle. He is. Uh, he with his new lenses in his eyes now he can see very far, <laughs> and he's very very proud of that. Um, but you know, you want to be prepared in case something happens, not only to one of your guests but yourself. That's right. Right. So. When people come aboard, you should ask them, hey, who here has the most experience running a boat? If something was to happen to me, who is going to get us back here safely? Who has the most first aid CPR experience in case we have an injury on the boat? Let's have a plan, you know, in case something goes down. When you book a trip at Peregrine Lodge, you fill out a questionnaire. And that's one of the questionnaires. Do you have any dietary restrictions? Mm-hmm. Do you have any medical history that, that we need to know about and be prepared for and all that stuff? And dude, there's there's AEDs in the lodge and on and and, and on one of the sport boats and, and all that stuff. It's and that's and, very, and very folks, important. But for the, folks that don't know what an AED is, okay. that is a portable heart defibrillator. Right. And and 
I've been looking at them online because we're going to get one on our boat now. Yep. Um, and they range price wise, but you can get them as cheap as seven hundred bucks up to about a couple thousand bucks. Uh, it is cheap insurance. If somebody goes down on your boat and it is a heart problem, listen. Uh, a trained professional like Tom who knows CPR and has done it a lot. It is second nature to Tom. It's muscle memory. He knows exactly what he's doing. The average person, it's about 10%. That's about, if that. it's about 10% yeah. maybe that you're going to resuscitate that person. An AED, that's your best shot of For get, sure. bringing somebody oh, you, back. You are raising um, the outcome potential. Like, And we were very, very fortunate that this, you know, we 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 got our we got our guy to the emergency room. He had, uh, you know, he had a implantable right so, defibrillator, and so it, so he it, had one inside of him. And Tom it, Tom was actually, I'm running the boat. I can hear everything that's going on in the back deck because when he he went down, Tom caught him and and gently put him on the back deck. We got a pillow under his head because we have pillows on board. Dude, that is so important because you, you don't get, want the guy's head bouncing around on the back deck of your boat. Get something soft under there, you know, one of your throwable, inflatable, or um, PFDs yes. or a you, pillow. You, you you're required pillows. to have yes. a throwable, and that's a great one to have. As Nelly's a going down to start working on this, our friend, um, our very close friend. So that you got to think about that too. This is yeah. somebody who Tom know, has known his whole life, and somebody I I've known for 25 years. Um, Tom goes down to start working on him, and I hear Tom go, "Oh, I got shocked." Yep. That's good. Good news. That's good. Yep. Let don't touch him. Nobody yeah. touch him. Let it do its job, and then it hit him. It hit him four times. Yeah. Before he came back, and then I heard him say, "Oh, t- Tom, what happened? <laughs> what happened?" And you said, "You you just had a you, you said, had a cardiac event." Yeah. So and and then our our friend. This is uh, this is actually what he said. I heard him say this. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. Let's go catch our link cod. Uh, no. Tom, Tom kind of chuckled and said, you, you are going to the ER. Straight to the we ER. we are going to figure out oh, what happened. And and, and, I, and we rolled him in there, you know. I mean, without incident, we, you know, we, we had a plan. We we're going to roll back to the dock at Bayside Marine. And should something more happen, we were going to have Everett Fire meet us down there and, and you know, continue CPR, whatever we needed to, needed to do. Thankfully, we didn't need to yep. do that anymore. Got him to the ER and the charge nurse at the ER lit me up, dude. For not for not calling. calling. What, dude? Why didn't you bring? Why didn't you have him transported? It's like I'm a firefighter. It's not, yeah, I'm not gonna call somebody. Do well, and it, we're right? three. You know? We're so about what three minutes. We weren't far. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool right thing. There. Very very cool thing about the Port Everett. It's so close to you know all that type of support stuff. So look, we're not gonna belabor the point. Here's the deal: have a first aid kit, know how to use it, take a first aid class, take care of yourself, dude. Who wants to fish with me if I roll down with a rusty oxygen tank and canyon? Oh, let's go fishing, yeah. boys, right? No, you owe it to yourself to keep yourself in, in, in good shape, keep your boat in good shape, have a first aid kit, have have a plan. Have a plan. And have the conversation with the yeah. people that you fish with. Hey, look, we're coming into the busiest part of our fishing season are, right dude. here. We're gonna we have shrimp coming up. This next week, there's going to be a lot of people on the water, and I will guarantee you there is going to be some type of an injury or a breakdown or something. There Look, there's going to be so many people on the water who haven't had their boats out. Have a plan. And and one more thing I'm going to say is on everybody's boats, 
you've got gaff hooks, you've got big nasty hooks, you've got knives, you've got stuff like that. So think along those lines too. Um, go on YouTube and and search Israeli bandage. You can do more with an Israeli bandage than you can with any other, you know, to, to stop a bleed. And we're actually going to talk about Ryan Lampers about this too coming up next because he's got a little kit that you pack with you in the backcountry, right? And so do I. Our friend Mike Pitson built me oh, yeah. one. It's, there we it's go. small. It has everything I need in there. You know, But you need to drill on it. You need to be— you got to open it up and look at yeah, what's gotta, in there and know how to use the, the stuff, it right? Just the, it's like the first time— when you need something like that mm-hmm. and you're by yourself and you you got to know what's in there because you may not have all 10 fingers to work with or, or you know, maybe you're doing it one-handed. Maybe Who- Shane Palcoa dropped a <laughs> giant Dungeness crab on your hand and now you're bleeding. What are you going to do? Shane had to go into the bus at some point here. Yeah, there's no question. All right, we're going <laughs> to pop out of here for a quick break. The Predators, Predators, Predator joining us next. He got a wolf. He got a bear. He got a cougar. And doing so saved a couple dozen elk. There's just no question about that. Ryan Lampers, the stealthy hunter, joining us next year on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. You're listening to the best of the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. So it's no secret that that ever since the reduction of, uh, of, of wolves into the North American West, that we've seen elk and deer populations crash all over the place. And now in some of the areas that hunting is allowed, it's it's you know, it's still a phenomenal task to get one of these animals. And I got tremendous respect for anybody that goes predator hunting because they're they're saving ungulate populations as they do so, Joey. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we uh it, it was the early nineties when they were reintroduced to Idaho and and they took off there and we saw our area go from this amazing elk hunting unit to you could barely find an elk and and if you did they were usually chewed on and dead killed by a wolf so and that's the problem with wolves is sometimes they just keep on killing and they can't sure, consume the animals a, you know, it's the they're, problem they're, but I, you know, I know guys that have killed bears you know I know guys that have killed cougars I don't get, you know a few guys have killed wolves I don't know anybody that's done all three so we're talking to him next Log on to StealthyHunter.com. That's the website of uh, the Predators, Predators, Predator, Ryan Lampers. Good morning, Ryan. Morning, buddy. Hey, good morning, guys. You got a story for us? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I do have some stories. It's been a great spring so far. Yeah, it's been uh, a ton of fun, a lot of work, and we've had some success. So you, you've you started doing this deal in the spring where – you're hitting multiple states. You're hunting for spring bears, which we, you and I have a passion for hunting bears. We love to eat those suckers, so we want to get our our, uh, our bear meat piled up. But then you're you're starting to run into some other stuff while you're out there. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about this spring hunt where you're back. You were back there for a bunch of days. I think you finally um, you wore out your crew, which you've been known to do. <laughs> so you end up back there by yourself eventually, but. Run us through your your spring hunt here, Ben. Yeah, it was uh, it was a I was the last man standing on this one. It it took a bit, but just had so much fun back there. It's a ton ton of fun. We um, so we started off this trip, and you're right, Joe. You know, we we've been um, taking on this uh, spring bear thing, hot and heavy. We we love to hit multiple states. You know, being in Montana here, we we have a high snowpack this year, and uh, so one of those years where it's going to be a little bit later in the spring where Montana really kicks off. So, um, you know, we started off over in Idaho this year and, and, uh, 
a little bit early for bears. You know, the green up, that green wave of grass just wasn't really popping quite yet. So we really did kind of put our focus onto some of those wolves. You know, I, I, um, we, we hunt areas now where there's a lot of wintering elk. The few that are left are wintering in these, uh, these certain areas. And, you know, I was telling Tom, um, in our prior conversation, you know, some of these areas are absolutely packed with wolves, um, on the trails where we're having a hard time going 10 yards without stepping over a, uh, some wolf scat it's just nothing but elk hair and hooves so the you know the predators are are pretty thick right now and the wolf or the elk numbers are way down but yeah this trip um man it had all the things we we ended up taking two wolves uh i took a, a big male i had glassed up from a couple miles away and uh got into position and, and relocated him and got a nice close shot on him, put him down. And then, um, my buddy Brad was able to take another one a couple of days after that. And then I'll be danged if, uh, I had moved up drainage a few miles and I started seeing a lot of cat gat up there, you know, uh, mountain lion stuff. And I found this little den where that thing had just been and his tracks were in and out. He'd been tearing it up under this rock and so I thought it wise to go back and, and maybe do some calling. And uh, I absolutely love calling in predators in the spring. It's one of the just absolute most exhilarating things you can do. And extremely effective. Yeah. Very effective. Ton of fun. It's intense. And, uh, man, sometimes they come in slow, but sometimes they come in hot. And this cat came in hot. He, I mean, he was, um, when I first saw him, he was about 300 yards out just kind of slinking in um after my first round of calls and then the next time i saw him he was he was way tighter and um and he kind of got in the brush and uh kind of ripped on some falling in distress again and that thing just came flying in and he got up on this log and and i put him down and that was cool and and, and so i'll be honest it took a few more days of uh of uh, bear hunting to get that bear tag filled, but um, well, I ended up calling in a second mountain lion uh, five days after that first one that I got. So, um, yeah, we were in a uh, pretty heavy target-rich target environment, and, and you and I, yeah. during this whole hunt, you and I are, we're talking back and forth uh, through through the inReach, yeah. right? And and yeah. obviously, you get the wolf. I'm like, whoa, that is amazing. Second year in a row, Ryan's killed the wolf. Then you're like, hey, I think I found this cougar den and so i'm like you know and 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 obviously we're not just talking all the time i'm getting like one message a day so then i'm like man ryan's on a cougar you know and and most of my buddies if they found tracks or thought they were on a cougar i'd be like uh they they're about maybe they got 40 percent chance of getting that or 30 percent. but i knew once you knew where that den was that that was a dead cat and then after you killed that cat i was like dude you you have to kill a bear. You have <laughs> to get the, the trifecta. trifecta. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody who's crown. ever done that. And it did take you a wow. little bit of time, but finally you sent me the message, yeah. bear down. I, I don't know yeah. that. I don't, I've never heard of anybody doing that in no. the same, on the same hunt, dude. I, I mean, have you? I mean, I, have, have no. you? No. No, 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 no. Okay. It's so, so rare. You know, wolves are rare. Wolves are tough. Wolves are extremely intelligent animals, and they are tough to get on the mountain. They're just so elusive. And we all know cats are the same, um, you know, it, you know, running them with dogs or whatever. That's one thing, but it's so rare. 
to uh, put yourself in a spot that, that has a cat or two and, and then to be able to call them in and get eyes on them and, and get a shot. It's, it doesn't happen very often. It's, it's a rarity. So I'm, I'm blessed to have that opportunity. And, yeah, it worked out this year. But, yeah, Joe, you know, you're right. We, the cat meat is one thing. You know, we, we absolutely love bear meat, but cat meat is next level as well. And um, been chewing on that, man, it is so good. Well, and this is your second, <laughs> your second cougar. You and I were lucky enough uh, many years ago. We doubled up on a couple cats uh, in the backcountry, so we we had tasted the sweet, sweet flesh of of a cougar, uh, and and we both yeah. always, you know, I always would, I think about that, and I want to get back to that, and I, I'd love to get another cat. Um, but then you spent, you you went home, you reset, you went back. And you took mm-hmm. our, our Vortex friends, Team Vortex, Mark Boardman and his crew, on a on a spring bear hunt, and and uh, they had a great hunt. We're we're gonna have Mark on to tell that story, okay? Um, but cool. but you were successful right. again uh, mm-hmm. after you wore out those those <laughs> flatland whitetail hunters, and they went <laughs> home. They they slinked back to Wisconsin, and you stayed in there by yourself, and you and you killed another bruiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killed a couple of great jet blacks this year, so got got meat back in the freezer. Um, it's been a tough year, honestly. You know, things didn't go easy uh, on e- either one of those hunts this year, and but we stuck it out. And um, props to the guys there at Vortex. You know, they they followed around in those hills, and like I said, those those boys have never seen hills this steep. They've never been in hills this steep in their life. This was some next level terrain, and um, but man, yeah, they. They uh they kept at it and kept grinding and and we got one right at the end there and and uh, it was a successful trip and we you know the 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 final moments of that trip were us sitting around a campfire eating bear meat over a fire just great yeah, so awesome perfect we're talking any better guys than Mark Boardman yeah, no doubt sure. man I love having him on board or around there's no question talking to Ryan Lampers this morning Stealthy Hunter the website stealthyhunter.com so you also do some instruction. I mean, you don't do what you do without staying in a level of physical shape and, and, and being prepared. So tell us a little bit about the 2023 Hunt Summits you got coming up here, Ryan Lampers. Yeah, we are getting very close to our Western Hunt Summit. Uh, we kick off uh, mid-June. Most of the guys are showing up June 15th through the 18th. And then we got another big crew coming in for the combo event on the 22nd to the 25th. And then we have folks showing up in between that. But yeah, it's a great crew. We got packed crowd this year coming in. This year we decided to do it over in the Missouri River Breaks of Montana, so it's kind of a new venue for us. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of elk, a lot of deer, uh, some big horns, and, you know, we put these classes on as uh, kind of, you know, there's a lot of education to it as far as tips and tactics and things, and we do a, uh, a very good backcountry medical course for guys that are just getting into hunting. It's very important. And then we, you know, we show these guys a good time. So we do a lot of 3D shooting with weight on our back, five-mile courses, 25 targets. Uh, we do some rifle stuff. We kind of mix it up and just keep it fun. It's it's a good experience for guys and kind of shows off Montana a little bit as well. So, um, you know, we have fun with it. The family loves it. It's a great time. But uh, overall, it is a uh, very good educational event for well, guys and, looking. An amazing list of presenters. You got Joel Turner. Jason Phelps, Mark Livesey, Brian Call, and yourself, Ryan Lampers. Uh, you're learning from the best. These guys are successful year after year after year with elk and mule deer and bears and all of it. Um, it's just, you know, it will take you to the next level. Uh, from you, you could be a beginner 
and it puts you right up there with some of these guys on the mountain. Yeah, what's cool about this event, Joe and Tom, is you know we 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 give ourselves enough time to just have casual conversations around the presentation. You know, we're we're sitting around in the mornings drinking coffee and we're talking hunting and we're talking about the stories that that happened, that worked, that didn't work, and um, you know a lot of the value that I found that folks have expressed to me comes from those conversations with, yeah, guys like Brian Barney or Brady Miller or some guys that are just absolute crushers in the mountains and they're very successful and they have, they have that secret sauce and uh, they're very happy to share it with everybody else. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, uh, you know, when I think about these events, I look at that downtime that we get to have those conversations aside from all the things that we have scheduled. They're just, they're just golden. And that's what we've been, uh, people have expressed that to us anyway. You can, uh, you can jump, you can jump on to uh, stealthyhunter.com and subscribe to the email list. You're going to get a lot of opportunity to talk about, and then they talk about the four areas, big interest, food, family, nature, health, a whole bunch of stuff. You need to check this out. Stealthyhunter.com. We're up against the break, buddy. I got a roll, but uh, we'll, we'll have you back on again soon. We appreciate it. And dude, thanks for, thanks for preserving the elk population for all of us, dude. <laughs> elk, a cougar, and a bear. That's a, that's a heck of a spring, okay. dude. That's a heck of a career for a hunter, let alone, to, let alone a spring, Ryan. Yeah, we're trying. I uh, appreciate it. Hey, uh, thanks, guys. Bye, uh, buddy. Later, bro. Talk to you soon. You're listening to the best of the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to the best of the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Welcome to the Wheelhouse here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station, 710 Seattle Sports app. So, um, I like having a guy that has his own podcast on the on, on the show, don't you, Joey? You know? I do. I is love, it, I, I, listen, I listen to Mark <laughs> on the way into the show most mornings. He is a voice and, and, and brain power behind the Vortex Nation podcast. Good friend of ours, Mark Boardman. Welcome to the show, Mark. How you doing, pal? What's up, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. No, uh, gentlemen, good morning. You are always uh, way too kind, but I appreciate it. We, we haven't talked to you since you spent a few days in, in, <laughs> in the mountains on a backcountry hunt with my uh, my cousin Ryan, the st- healthy hunter. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm alive. Yeah. So, yes, I can. <laughs> he, that's, that's, that's my big report. But, but that wasn't his intent. I, I, I think uh, – his intent was to was to break you. I, I think was uh, was was something uh, that that we may have heard a little bit. But uh, I tell you what, he is an amazing guy. You can't be in the woods with that guy and not learn a thing or two. Yet, tell us a little bit about your experience. Oh man, absolutely. So I, I mean, yeah, I love 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 Ryan Lampers. I consider him a really good friend. But let's be clear, he is an insane person. So yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was an incredible hunt. I think we did just shy of 50 miles in six days in oh. some of the steepest, roughest, loosest country I've ever been in. Uh, never slept in the same place twice. Made a new camp every day. Uh, Ryan ended up killing a just super old boar on our last hunt day. You know, the next day was going to be uh, getting, getting back out. Uh, when we went to go out, the river that we crossed to get in was uh, very much a different river uh, for the way out. So wow. that uh, did that add, little, did little, that add a few miles to your trip? 
so it did. It did. We actually we did an extra ten that day to get oh, out a different way with man. with camp and and oh. and the bear on our back. But I tell you what, guys, you know, as as much as uh, as hard as it was, like you said, learned a lot, super rewarding. And then you know, at at the end of the day, we were eating bear meat on sharp sticks over a campfire like cavemen and, uh, cool. and life was good very nothing cool. better dude no question about it so yeah ryan lampers is is just an animal and, and well and joey is in the woods too i mean you know they're like and, and you put it so well yesterday when i was talking to you yesterday mark is there, there nothing's too far nothing's too high nothing's too late in the day no, you know it's it's all about you, the focus you can't on, have limits but but okay if you want to be successful but so it really caught my eye last night um, or excuse me, the night before, I think, when, when when the latest Vortex Nation blog came out, 90 Days to a Better Western Hunt, okay? And and, and I kind of boiled that article down to three different aspects. Obviously, fitness, because that's going to be a limiting factor to your hunt. Shooting your particular weapon choice, number two. But number three, drilling with your kit. You gotta know, especially in these days of complex rangefinders and and light hunter tactical dialing scopes and stuff like that, if you don't practice with your kit, you're not going to be effective. For sure, for sure. And now, now is the time to do it. You know, I know, like myself, like a lot of folks, you know, trying to get in as much as much fishing as we can before hunting season. But the hunting season, I mean, the countdown has begun. It is nearly upon us. And and like you said. Tom, I mean, now's the time to dial in that kit, get those boots broken in. And, and I'm just super envious of you guys uh, where you're at, just with the landscapes that you have access to within, you know, not too far of a drive, you know, high mountain lakes, where you can test your gear, test that, you know, test some new food that, that you maybe want to try out in the backcountry, test your new stove, whatever it might be. You know, take it, take a trailhead into a high mountain lake and couple it with some some alpine fishing and you know, to me, that's, you know, number one, something I'd be doing anyway if I was in your neck of the woods. And number two, I mean, what better way to, to test that stuff and make sure that's dialed for uh, so you can hit the ground running? Yeah, I mean, you know, something as simple as not testing what food you're going to take into the backcountry, you know, and I, I've I've done a lot of making, you know, making my own meals, dehydrating food, freeze drying food. Um, but then I, I also get lazy sometimes and I just want to buy food. And, and I, I run a bunch of different types of food. I like Pinnacle. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of great companies out there that offer, you know, freeze-dried uh, or, or dehydrated food. Don't just buy the food and take it into the woods. Do, like you said, hike into a high mountain lake, test out your sleeping situation, you know, your kit, right? That's a big one. I, don't buy an air mattress and go in the woods the first time with it. You want to test that stuff out. Test the food. Make sure it works for you. You get in the mountains on a hard mountain hunt and you eat some food and it and it doesn't sit well with you, that can ruin your whole hunt. You're Just done. something as Dude. simple as that. And and when you think about a, a true mountain hunt, a backcountry adventure hunt, there's boots, your your clothing system, which is gonna require, you know, your your hunting pants. Your base layer system, some type of rain gear, no matter what time of year it is, uh, your sleeping situation, your tent, your firearm, and your optics. And all of those things you need to test multiple times before you go on that hunt. Listen, you will have failures and, and things will not work out for you. You don't want to find out on the hunt. You want to find out before you go.
For sure, for sure. You know, and that the, the food thing is something that I'm still like actively dialing and tweaking. I learned a lot on that hunt with Ryan and you know, you pack things and you think, Oh, this is good, it's high calories and this and that the other and all of a sudden it's like kind of a thing you're reaching for a last. And it's like, okay, mental note, I didn't want to eat that, so I I didn't eat that. I picked this, you know, and it just you know, it just allows you to fine tune those things. And and Joey, you mentioned you know, you know, testing your gear and optics. And, and Tom, you mentioned the new Razer HD 4000 uh, GB rangefinder, you know, amazing rangefinder. It's got, you know, the, the uh, onboard geoballistic solver pairs with an app, you know, it's, and, and, you know, essentially what it's going to give a person is, uh, you know, a ballistic, a customized ballistic solution, right? But the time to figure that out is now. It's pretty intuitive, but you don't want to be reading the manual on the way to camp. For sure. That's absolutely the key. And and if when you do learn how to use this stuff, it unlocks a whole new set of opportunities for you with regard to the range that you're comfortable shooting, but you only get comfortable if you practice. Okay? And 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 you're going to learn more th- more about that by using it than, than than any other any other thing you can do by reading. I mean, experience really, Mark, with regard to vortex optics is the only teacher. And and we talked about you know burning your kit in, even if you're going on a high mountain fishing trip, bring that Razor HD 4000 GB with you and just range some stuff, Be- because you will educate your eye, you educate your feelings w- with regard to how far things are in you know in in the in your area that you hunt, Mark. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like I'm always playing guess the range, right? You know, whether I'm archery or, or rifle hunting. Uh, yeah. I mean, my range finder always comes with me whether I'm hunting or not. And I'm, I'm doing that all the time. And, and you might, heck, you might be at that high mountain lake or on a trip like that. And, you know, maybe you uh, then turn find a hunting spot and it's like, okay, well, if I'm here, how far away is that face? You can take that, you know, if I got a shot opportunity, you can take that information back with you and pre-plan where you might need to get to or, find out that hey i can i can shoot from here yeah, the, no the most successful hunters i know guys like my cousin ryan guys like remy warren uh tim burnett these guys who are successful every year consistently they don't just put their hunting gear away at the end of the season and not break it out till August or September the next year they're constantly upgrading trying new things testing products and trying to better their kit. And, and you know, Mark, as a, as a backcountry hunter, um, your kit changes every year. You find new things. Your, your cooking system, your sleep system, all that stuff, there's new products out every year. I think you, I think you just pulled the trigger on a new tent that's lighter, more weatherproof, easier to set up, faster to break down. All of those things make you more successful in the backcountry as a hunter, less time spent messing around with your gear or fiddling with something that didn't work right, that takes you out of the game. Yeah, no question about it. Mark Boardman, we got to get you out here, buddy. I, I hope you can come out this, uh, you know, this this August for a little little hunt with Joey and maybe a little uh, jumping on the sea beast there, pal. And, and uh, you know, I, I I am fired up to see what you guys will come out with and already have come out with on the on the vortex optics front. We really appreciate that. But uh, what, what's coming up next on your podcast, pal? Oh, man. So, you know, we, I guess what's next, and also we recently launched a, a cool series called Cartridge Talks. Um, 
where we do a variety of things. But uh, our first episode, we compared uh, the 6.5 versus the 3.08, shot it into some ballistics gel, did some analysis uh, with, uh, you know, video, and then kind of uh, recapped it and did some further analysis on the podcast. So that's a really cool, fun series, you know, and, and that comparison is one that people make a lot. It's kind of the old bull versus the young calf. Um, so I'd say definitely give that a look, uh, you know, and uh, we got tons of stuff coming down, coming down the pike uh, on the content side of things for sure. Go check out VortexOptics.com. Subscribe to their newsletter. You'll be a better hunter and, and for it. There's no question about it. Mark Boardman, we'll hope to see you this August, buddy. You take care. Thanks for jumping in. Later, Mark. Count on it. All Thanks, right, guys. buddy. See you, Mark. Take care. You're listening to the best of the Outdoor Line in Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.